Hey everyone, welcome back to the DJ Sessions where we feature the best DJs, producers, and industry professionals from around the world. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in all the way from sunny Palm Springs, California, we have none other than one of our favorite guests, Alex Harrington, on the show today for you. How's it going today, Alex? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. I love watching when you're up to all the time on the socials. It's great. I know you're getting back out there and doing a lot of stuff. And I want to dive right into something that I saw that you did just recently, just posted about. You just did a, something, a, a track, a potion, Calvin mm -hmm. Harris featuring Dulipa and Young Thug. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that track. Tell us what that's all about. Yeah. So, you know, I've been in, um, I've been really inspired lately and in trying to kind of like channel that into my music. And so I've been doing a lot of remixes. Um, now last week I put out a Jack Harlow remix and this week I decided to do the Calvin Harris remix and, um, it turned out really well. I mean, as far as, uh, my opinion goes. So yeah, I just put that out yesterday, actually. I, I saw that on the socials and, and how, how received, how well received has that been? I mean, it's pretty good so far. It's absolutely pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, usually I mean, I'm not like uh, I'm not I'm not Calvin Harris himself, so I'm not going to do a million streams in a day, but it's already put up almost a thousand streams and the feedback on it um, is, is pretty nice, you know, and so you, you can never tell three mixes because uh, people either kind of love them or hate them. And this seems to be one that people love, um, but it's only been a day. So we'll see. <laughs> and, and, and also, so a little bit of an accolade, you just got your first number one of the year with Swim. Yes. And that just hit on the top spot on the R&B Soul chart. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. Thank you. you. Know, I, I know you're always talking about when your stuff's charted, it's always happy to see. It's like, I know that guy. I know yeah. he's charting. I know he's busting his ass. He's having <laughs> fun. And, you know, I was listening to that right before the show, um, free show, and I was like, yeah, I want to swim. I want to be in Palm Springs. I want to totally. be in Arizona, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, um, what was the inspiration behind Swim? Um, you know, a lot of the music that I've been writing for the past couple of years has been very tech housey, and um, you know, I wouldn't say chasing trends, but trying to bring that big festival sound. And so recently, I said, "Look, I'm going back to my roots. I'm going to make this real kind of disco, funky R&B soul sound." And Swim was kind of the representation of that, but. You know, being in Palm Springs or being in Arizona, as you're looking forward to, um, the pool is kind of like, it's the mecca. So I was like, I want to write a track that really reflected that and kind of carried that sexiness, the poolside vibe, but also funky enough to where, you know, kind of makes you want to shake with it. Hey, I was going to say, you know, you do a lot in the Palm Springs area and your pool parties are, are kind of popular down there. You recently did one, it was a little while back, the Coachella pool party. And I saw some of the names on that lineup. And, you know, Aloham and um, who else was on that? I mean, I, I interviewed a few of these people. but Louis the was, Child. Louis the think... Child, yeah, was on that. I mean, that just looked like it, – Oh, it, yeah. Now, I don't know the, 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 the area very well, but I'm going to assume Palm Springs is kind of close to where Coachella happens. Yeah, or no, totally. It is. We're like – so there's Palm Springs is the first city you hit when you come into what we call the Valley. Okay. And then when you get to Coachella, that's Indio. Um, I live in La Quinta, which is right next to Indio. So when you're in Palm Springs, you're literally a 20-minute car ride from Coachella. So when it's Coachella time around here, those two weeks, the whole valley just is Coachella. Palm Springs is Coachella. Indio is Coachella. Everything. <laughs> that sounds like a fun time down there. I have not been able to make Coachella yet. Um, does that, that kind of sounds like – does EDC happen and then Coachella – or is Coachella first, then EDC? 
Yeah, you know, there's so many EDCs, especially down here. We have, we have Beyond and stuff like that. But I, Coachella happens in April, and then I think EDC is in May. I want to say. Right. So Coachella is kind of like the the pre kickoff uh, for yeah. like at least our festivals down here in um in Southern California. Nice. And yeah, I went. To, I got a chance to go to EDC last year in October, and then the friend that I went with was uh, who's my now business partner in Arizona. So we'll talk about it a little bit. But um, he said. This is so nice because normally it happens in May when it's really hot. Mm. And this one being in October, it was like you aren't getting that hot pavement coming up and the hot heat and everything. I heard there was actually – they had to close down one night because of the wind um, yeah. in Vegas. So yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a thing down there. But um, oh, yeah, bad. what's it been like starting that back up, the pool parties, getting that back into the mix of things? I mean it's very interesting seeing the industry reset and – you know, you're out there doing it. It's outdoor. It's outdoor fun. I mean, what's that been like? Um, you know, it's been a slow crawl for sure. Uh, and that's like to describe it because after the pandemic, a lot of people were kind of uh, leery to come out. And I actually, I played Splash House um, for Golden Voice. They had the big festival down here. I, I played that in uh, August of last year. So the pandemic was still kicking pretty good. And um, it was really odd. <laughs> You know, because you had to get checked for everything. And I didn't mind that end of it. But even just trying to, as an artist, trying to get in, it was difficult. Now, though, I feel like people are comfortable again. And so the the parties are starting to get a little bigger. And the music's starting to come back, as they would say. Nice. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we can see that happening here. And we were kind of, obviously, ground zero. I won't talk too much about that. But, yeah, seeing the nightlife open back up, you know, it's been kind of sparse out there. You know, and, and, and I've talked with people about, you know, um, when they say, you know, somebody has an addiction or a problem, it takes 30 days to break that habit. And people's lifestyles were so ingrained with nightlife and going out right. and for concerts, festivals, all that, that you got a two-year break from that. And yeah. so now you start picking up things like crocheting, reading mm -hmm. books, Netflix, different things like, nah, and there's whole, a whole, you know, rise where you had, you know, your, your 20-somethings that would become your 21 year old somethings. And mm -hmm. those two years of them not getting that 21 year old, 22 year old, 23 year old. Right. It's like, we've found other things to do. We now row boats or we, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, you know, um, you know, has an impact. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that, see that coming back. Um, but oh, you've yeah. been hard at work. You've been doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, you also had another success going back to the producing side of things. Your first time breaking into the Deep House Top 100. Tell us about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it's really hard to break into. There's so many genres and so many websites and so many charts and this and that. And it's great because as an artist, you have a lot of different ways to hit your metrics. You know, that one thing, especially in America, everything's associated with the stat. You know, if I come out here and say I'm a good DJ and you hear my music and you say it's good, Nobody else is going to believe it's good unless I've got something behind it, you know. How many likes do you have? How many followers? How many Spotify plays? You know, so for me, anytime I'm able to break onto a chart in any genre, it helps. And Deep House is a majorly, you know, popular genre. Um, so I was really happy to be able to break onto that. I think it was on um, Hype Did It, which is a big site for releases, you know. And, and that one, I, I've never really charted on there. This is the first time I'd actually charted. So for it to be on the Deep House chart, I was like, Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> do you now uh, Tech House? I, I, I kind of saw an industry report here. I believe mm. it was from 1001 track lists. Yeah. And it was showing that Tech House is kind of taking the genre right mm. now. I think it's like Tech House, House, Trance is there. You know, Tech House is huge. Do you feel 
that there's going to be a shift of Deep House coming back into Taos. What what's what's your take on the next the end of 2022 coming into 2023? What we're going to see as the industry shift goes. You know, I've thought about this a lot. I've I've been uh, despite my young looks, I'm, I've been around for a while. I've been doing music for 20 years, and and I think you'll agree with this. Um, just like fads, it's cyclical. So you see different genres come through. But the thing with electronic music is, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, it was EDM. That, that was just it. You know, and then maybe people knew dubstep. Now it's different. People know all the subgenres, everything. It's like, what flavor are you? What do you? What house do you identify as? Um, and I thought about this. I think actually, I think techno is going to come in and take over Tech House. I do feel like Tech House has kind of reached its uh, its limit, you know? And, of course, there's always going to be, like, the underground and other sides of these genres that even when the once the popularity is gone, they still remain. But I think techno is going to be the next thing to tech o- take over. Tech over. Um, tech, tech, tech. Tech over. <laughs> so I think it's going to be techno. And then I think that's you'll see probably techno this year and a lot of the summer season. You're going to see a lot more techno, a lot more pumping, you know, because people have been stuck inside, like you were talking about the pandemic, and they've done other things. And I think there's going to be this desire to kind of like go out there and hear some heavy stuff. Um, but I think Deep House is going to make a comeback probably end of this year, maybe next year. Um, it's always been around, but it's evolved now. I think in the past you'd hear Deep House and it was like, you know, jazz with a beat. And now it's like, no, you've got like Oliver Heldens, you've got, you know, Tiesto playing Deep House. So, yeah, I think it's going to go Tech House, Techno, Deep House. But there you I don't go. Know. Don't quote me on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, how much influence do you think that labels have over that paradigm shift of saying, you know, this is what we're known for, this is what we produce, but, you know, we're going to start leaning towards this, and the labels start releasing, releasing, releasing. I mean, is that something you've seen over the course of 20 years? Do the labels have really that much control, or is that kind of a subconscious movement? Like you said, it's cyclical, but what drives it? Does one major brand labels say this is what we're releasing and everyone says we should start releasing that stuff too or and some labels say nope this is us and this is what we're sticking to but i guess that you kind of summed it up is it's going to go from the tech house to the tech to the deep house right and that's how i mean i think labels they definitely have a say you know you've got your big labels so for me i feel like in the house community at least you've got um tool room records you've got defected you know, and those big labels, they can pretty much do whatever they want. You know, you just you just know, like, okay, defected is defect. They can do disco. They can do deep house. Same with Tool Room, you know. But what I will say is more so now than ever, they're starting to kind of catch on to what people want to hear, you know. And, and in the past, you you know, they would think, oh, see, now we know people like vocals. People like pianos. People, whatever. You know, you can describe it. In the past, it was like, well, this song's too electronic. You know, this song's too heavy. It's, that's so vague, you know. Now you're like, okay, people like the soul. They like to have a little soulful vocal. With Tech House, you know, I think the big reason why that exploded was because a lot of people are sampling the original version of tracks and giving you that meat that you like and then taking it into a beat. So the fact that, like, people are kind of going out there and they're seeing, you know, these artists play songs that they like, and then the labels are then saying, hey, you know, they like this. Let's get more people to do that. And it's becoming easier for them with the Internet. You know for sure because you can see all of your metrics and stuff and say, you know, I, for instance, if they put out a release and it's it gets a lot of um, heat on it, then they look at the stats and say, okay, where was the heat at? You know, was this live? Was it just because they bought the song? I mean, it sounds really complex, and it is, but I do think that it's it's the labels still kind of have the say of it, you know. And you will still find those labels though that are purists and just do what they do. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting that conversation about labels and what they're going to do because we're actually looking to launch 
our label in 2023 and it's still we're still kind of like deciding what genre are we going to do what are we yeah. going to release who are we going <laughs> to sign how are we going to sign it who are we opening up to is it our own internal do we open up to external submissions who do we bring on and you know i'm really excited to go down that avenue because it's one of the growth it's one more thing one more feather in the hat of the djs it's one more thing we want to do to help up and coming artists Absolutely. And, and be able to give them a place where they can say hey I'm signed to the DJ Sessions label. And here's what the DJ Sessions label is doing. I'm also maybe a resident DJ or resident producer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our website still is, people don't know that our new website we launched last year is actually built for this. I mean, it's going to be a flip of a switch and people are like, wait oh. a second, when did, they put a when did they put a store on here? When did they put the player right. on the bottom that plays tracks while you're surfing through the website? Like people aren't ready for what our website, that's like version 3.4. Uh, but we're super excited for that. And, and able to do uh, – one of the things I'm excited to do is release parties in virtual reality. Huge. And, and having people That's come so into cool. our virtual nightclubs and be able to meet and greet and hang out with the artists and, and then have a set spot or they're doing a set, there are mixes in there, and kind of do some really cool stuff in the virtual reality realm. We're also looking to augmented reality, but that's a whole nother discussion. Hey, the metaverse, but it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. And I, I tell people right now, if you're not – it's like websites in 1997, 98. And a, a brick and mortar says, I don't need a website. All my customers come into my store. Right. And it's like, no, those people that did the website and put something up there, they saw more customers, more retention, more stuff going online. And then they put an online store. They started oh, totally. seeing online stuff and started shipping all over the world. Oh, totally. uh, and then, you know, when podcasting came out and, and then live streaming right thereafter, I was knocking on the door for 10 years. I mean, the podcast jump for me was 2005 to 2009 is when I started live streaming, which is kind of a quick transition, but mm, I just yeah, took fast. live streaming and ran with it. And then a couple of years ago, the entire world decides to jump on live stream. I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you about this. I've been telling you about this. I remember. And you know, knocking on people's doors. And I mean, the conversation was, you, who's going to want to watch a live a DJ on a computer? And I'm like. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think. I wouldn't. Well, I mean, it's like, but you listen to a radio show. And what I'm talking about, though, is, is early adapter to technology. And, and if people weren't live streaming 10 years ago and they jumped on the bandwagon two years ago, okay, that's great. Cool. Use it as a medium for future. But my thing is if people are not looking into VR in any way, shape, or form, to, you're going to be lost. No, it's, you're it's not looking future. to brand yourself somewhere, shape, or VR. Get a world. Do something in VR. Just even have – it's another website. It's another social platform. 100%. One, well, it's yeah. the future. I mean, I, I'm lucky because I have kids and they kind of keep me in the know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and like, I mean, TikTok, that's how I found out TikTok was where the next big, in, you know, yeah. um, the, the next big frontier was. And same thing, my, my eight-year-old, you know, he's asked for an Oculus set for ages, you know. And, it's, and so when you think about that, those, that's the future. In, in five years and 10 years, those, I mean, my, my daughters are going to be in their 20s. My son will be in his teens. They're going to be the ones who are, you know, consuming our content essentially you know they're gonna so the best thing to do is to think like that because you don't want to be late to the party you know it's expensive with live streaming imagine what vr is going to be like when you have to get into that and you've invested over years so i'm, I'm yeah. preaching the choir here <laughs> i now know and when i got into this it was last year um one of my friends who got me into this in a sense I was kind of like, oh, but I got to spend this much money on a dev. I got to spend much money on it. Oh, I got to. Oh. And he said, you know, this is after years of doing all this blood, sweat, and tears stuff. And he just looked at me and said, Darren, shut up. Spend the money. Do it. You amortize it over a schedule. You're really spending like $8 a week when it comes down yeah. to it. I mean, I'm going to put more into this. 
But even if I put, you know, $5,000 into it and put that over the course of five or 10 years or, you know, even five years, $1,000 a year, 80 bucks a month, 20 bucks a week, my bar tabs are 152 bucks a week. You know, you know? what I mean? I'm like, come you on. And I boast of money we go out. Am I into my brand or am I into my brand? What do I want? And I don't want to look like, you know, basic, basic land over here. I want something that's cool that people are going to talk about, want to come back right. to be like, that's a dope club. That's a dope experience. I'm totally impressed. Bring their friends there and enjoy it that, you know. Right. And we're looking at, you know, going upwards of all the content we're pushing out. We'll go in there. So VR is a huge thing. But coming back to record labels and labels, what's the most important thing you think a record label should do for their artists? And are they doing a good job with that? Um, I think that, you know, for me, I have a smaller label that I, is more of a passion project, but I still, I, I'm very professional with it. And I think that developing your artists is huge, um, you know, because you're not going to get the biggest artist to sign for you right away. You know, Richie Houghton's not going to be like, hey, you started a label. Let me, can I be on it? You know, so what, the best thing to do is, <laughs> Good idea. So, I, I, but see, we use you develop artists and you get it to where you teach them like, you know, what the promotion side is. You teach them about, uh, you know, making the track is literally the, the first step. It, the, the work that comes after it is what gets, makes it uh, successful. So I'd say developing talent is huge. I think a lot of labels don't do that. And I'm, not talking poorly, but when you think about it, any business assumes it's going to fail X amount of times out of the year. So they say, look, you know, we got 20 artists we're signing. Maybe only three of them are going to hit. And so you never know if you're one of those artists, you know, because they'll come and do your release and you're like, oh, this is great. I'm on tool room or I'm on whatever. And then you get a negative bill for their marketing. And you're like, what is going on? How? And, you, and that's why I say it's important to develop your talent because then as they grow, their, their whole name is going to grow. Now all of a sudden, you know, DJ Tom is that you put on your label. You were his first release. Now he's flowing. He's going out there big. And, you know, now Richie Houghton likes DJ Tom's track. And he's like, is that on the DJ sessions? You know? So for me, it's all about development. It's, it's, you can't just like take it and just put it out there because these tracks are not worth a million dollars. You know, like, like, you know, when g Easy makes a track, it sells because g Easy made it, not because, you know, it's a good song per se. And people will catch on to it. But there's not a lot of purists out there. So it's important to develop your, your talent and kind of say, hey, this is our brand and this is how we get behind our people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I'm I'm constantly working on with, with our resident crew on the DJ sessions is, is knowing how do we develop it? What can we do for you? How do we help mm -hmm. you? What, what am I doing as a brand to make sure you're getting exposure, you're getting out there? Um, because that was one of our key goals. I, and that's why it's kind of interesting that the shift of going over to a label, what you just mentioned, mm -hmm. we're kind of doing that for an online presence, but, you know, noticing that we want to do that for a brand and for producers as well. And so right. bringing them into the fold. And it, it, I will be working closely with some very well educated people on how to do this. I'm not just going, we're starting a label and I'm going to go in this direction. You know, I'm like, uh, no, I have some mentoring, some some people that will help guide the process in that way. But we're super excited to be doing that. Oh, yeah. Knowledge is um, power. You know, so uh, thank you. That's a very, very key piece of advice. Um, you know, if speaking of, of tracks and, and making tracks, if you could score a Hollywood movie, which director would have your preference? Who would you want to work with the most? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Holy cow. Um, you know, uh, 
gosh, that is that is so tough. I'd probably have to say someone like Sam Raimi. I like him because his, his movies have a darkness to him, but they also have a fun. You know, like I know this is probably like this is so infamous that Spider Man, uh, Spider Man three, when he had the symbiote, and he became like evil Peter Parker. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and I remember we're in the middle of the story, and it's Spider Man, and you're involved, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got him dancing like this and doing that, and I love that funkiness. So I'd say Sam Raimi probably, um, but oh god, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name. Uh, is it Takia Watiti uh, who did the Thor movies? Um, Ragnarok. He also did Jojo Rabbit. Um, he's uh, he's awesome. I like him a lot. He did the idiot Thor Ragnarok. He's doing the new Thor movie. He did yeah. Jojo Rabbit. Um, I like his style. So yeah, I just like stuff that's funky, but at the same time, kind of dark, you know, has an edge because that's my music. One minute I'm tech house, the next minute I'm funky disco. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And when you mentioned Sam Rainey, it was funny because obviously I just went and saw Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge, huge Benedict fan. Uh, one, oh, yeah, Sam Rainey directed it. And um, I was talking with my girlfriend and I said, have you ever seen Evil Dead? Yeah, Evil Dead. See, Evil Dead too, and 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 you know, I was telling her back when I was a kid that I wouldn't watch those movies. I'm not a horror movie fan at all, Me I'm a horror movie buff. But as I saw them later in life, I, I can't remember the first time I saw Evil Dead too, but I saw it as kind of like this is this is awesome cinematography. This is he's doing some cutting edge oh, yeah. stuff, like almost like early Robert Rodriguez kind of like pushing. They didn't use the shopping cart thing, but Robert Rodriguez was. Literally put his cameraman in a shopping cart and was pushing him to dolly him. The shot, I love that. Get that tracking shot, you know. But Sam Raimi would do some really cra crazy stuff, and and then I had to explain how they made Evil Dead One, and Evil Dead Two was a remake of Evil Dead One, but better. And I just oh, I so loved good. his style. And then Army of Darkness obviously was kind of it wasn't even horror genre. It was kind of really funny stuff. Yeah, funny in a horror funny stuff. It wasn't like Jason horror or that's a, I hate Myers horror. Or, I hate horror, but when I saw the Evil yeah. Dead and Army Darkness, I mean, yeah. more so Army Dark, I was like, dude, like, you know, he had the boomstick. Yeah. I mean, he works at Kmart, you know? I was like, okay, yeah, I can watch this. Uh, is it is S-Mart? S-Mart, yeah, because, yeah. Smart shopper, S-Mart. S-Mart. Got to make sure we get that one right, otherwise we'll be murdered by the fans. <laughs> oh, my God, they'll find us. They'll try out. The, the Necromicon will show up my room. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Um, and now let's talk a little bit about Palm Springs and what yes. you've been doing down there we mentioned earlier a little about the pool parties and it's coming back man being down in the sun and the fun and the palm i mean you're in it immersed in it mm -hmm. but you've been doing those for a while i mean you were doing those and um again they're coming back and um you've been doing some awesome stuff <laughs> you have a residency down there correct yeah i do actually uh one of my main residencies is arrive palm springs mm -hmm. um and so that's a place i've been there for several years uh they have hotels in portland um, I think Charlotte, Austin, they're kind of a boutique hotel, but, um, down here, their location like personifies Palm Springs. It's just got the open pool, the outside bar. Um, you know, it, it's, it's contrary to what people might think because we're in Southern California, it's boring out here. So the summer gives us a chance to like spice it up and do those pool parties. Um, and then I actually have two residencies. There's arrive and then, um, the former Hard Rock Hotel out here uh, has these brilliant new owners, and they've changed the programming. It's called Hotel Zozo now. Okay. So I'm bouncing between two, those two locations pretty much every week throughout the summer. And, and is it more of a tourist-based industry, or is it a local-based industry there? Or no, a it's a mix of both. 
it, you know, it's definitely a mix. I would say like 10 years ago, it, it, we had a lot of people that had multiple homes and we were just one of their stops. But with the pandemic and whatnot, we have a lot of more people staying through the summer. Um, you know, we have a massive amount of tourism that goes on. And with that, the service industry, which I'm sure like you have friends in the service industry. Um, that's a lot of what I cater to. I try to, you know, the tourists are going to enjoy it anyways, and they have a good time. Um, but, you know, I like to try and find that local element. And a lot of it is people that are just working like, you know, schmucks like me and you. And, you know, they just want to come out and have fun. And at these pool parties, what's been the craziest or memorable, most memorable request you've ever got? Oh, man. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I would say Achy Breaky Heart was a good one. Somebody asked me that one time in the middle of – and and, and my, I usually the quest is then they're bad. I'm like, what are you doing? But when they asked me Breaky Breaky Heart, I said, you know, like, what is, are you okay? <laughs> you know? But we also – we have, like, a lot of different cultures. So sometimes I'll get, you know, cultures like, um, you know, a group of Armenian like – an Armenian family or Indian family. And, um, you know, they'll be at the pool with a lot of other people and they, they kind of want to take me over. So I'll get requests sometimes, usually associated with, with, you know, tips to play like one certain genre of like, you know, DDM Armenian music, you know, so can't always fit that in. I always tell them, you know, I try. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to say, is that something that you're prepared for? Because it is kind of a hotel travel. It's like, oh, let me pull up my Armenian playlist. Let me pull up my... In playlist from India, let me pull up my Russian, you know, <laughs> fest music. You know, what? no, it's crazy because we're we're so affluent out here. I mean, we get people literally, Darren, from like all over the world. So I've learned to have certain songs, you know, that I play. But it's just like you know, that some of these people, if I ha if I have one song ready, they want twenty. You know, so like, oh, you have that one. Now I get to now you're gonna play the rest of the day like that. And I'm like, that, that, that was sense. just for you. That was have a good day. <laughs> now, um, when, in your choice of gear, when you're playing, what what do you use for your setup? Um, I prefer Pioneer CDJs, okay. um, I would say 2000 or later. Um, out here, I do have an XDJ RX unit, um, which is just, I'm not sure if you've seen it, it has a screen on there, and I do USBs because it gets to 112 outside. So um, I remember I played Splash House 2014, and um, I know about the heat, but a lot of the bigger artists didn't. And um, I remember Kygo was there, Sunburn was there, and they all had laptops, the aluminum hard body MacBook. The internal went to like 109 and toasted them yep so that my xdj unit and cdjs you can't go wrong and and shade shade's my favorite piece of equipment <laughs> yeah yeah last year we had the opportunity to be part of a, of a pride event and uh it was during the heat wave in seattle and i oh. literally was i literally was tying bottles of water to my oh. head you have humidity too up there it was bad yeah it was bad i mean it was a couple of people pops we got heat stroke i was wiped for the next five days was not ready for it mm -mm. but the equipment was literally heating up so hot it was like you could literally fry an egg on it like 115 oh. degrees it was so hot it was crazy say hot. goodbye to all your internals yeah. if you don't have something that's like built for it <laughs> yeah exactly and so the reason why i ask is um um i wasn't sure if you are on laptop or not but looking from an equipment future of equipment future of gear do you see pioneer or denon or somebody releasing you know of all in one unit because we use the um uh rx2 and the rr for yeah. us to be a little compact they're really nice i love it they're all in one boom boom extra and, channels uh, yeah you know but do you see something being able to connect to the to, to the cloud and, and you won't need a laptop because you won't need internet but it's connected to the cloud and you'll be able to go hey you want that armenian song okay here we go yep. Dial by right off B port loads it right in your machine yep. and you're on the fly. Let's go. Yeah, there. Are, I, I think that's going to happen pretty soon here. Um, one of my friends I DJ with, he goes by Millions World. 
Um, he uses the Beatport, I think it's Loop, Beatport Loop service. And so as long as he has Wi-Fi, he's like queued up the tracks on his laptop. I think, though, it's going to be integrated into the the, um, the software. I mean, I'm sorry, the hardware. So like you said, the XDJRX, you know what I mean, and the RR. Um, I think it's going to get to the point where Pioneer says, you'll subscribe to us, you know. And I personally think that what's happening is Pioneer, Denon, they're in the background, and you know this very well, and I'm just, I'm a layman, but they're probably trying to figure out how can I get to where I own the music so I can sell it through my proprietary software, to people, you know, I always tell like my kids and my wife, like, you know, they, once they learn how to make money off of something, you're going to see it explode and they're learning right now. So I do see in the future, you'll get your, you buy your pioneer for $3 million or however much they're going to be, <laughs> you know, and then they're going to be like, and it's like a Peloton and then you pay your monthly fee. But the hard part is going to be, it's just like DJ pools. You, you, what kind of music do you play? I don't think they're going to be able to, to get every single track and genre on one service unless you're like partnering with itunes or spotify maybe but even then you've got all kinds of you know legal things you got to get through but i do think it's coming i do think the cloud's coming but as far as there being a one-stop shop you know like pioneer has the the system for it no it's going to be pieced you know I could see them like doing a licensing agreement with beatport mm -hmm. or something you know or a license and, and and you know but then you're stuck with what's in the Beatport library. You can't get what's over here. Right. So it's and like Beatport doesn't want you dipping in iTunes, honey. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, you know, where's that exclusivity? And yeah, when it comes to music rights management, I'm going to be learning a lot about that, but I already know oh, what yeah. I deal with now. And it's kind of crazy. It's so, it's so choppy. It really is. I mean, um, even, you know, you, you've told me about this, even, you know, just playing that potion remix I did, right? That's super not legal. It's very unofficial. So, you know, me just me playing it out and about, I could get in trouble for it. And and that's will you will I? No, probably not. And even if I release it, I probably won't, you know. But I always use Olivia Rodrigo as an example, you know, because she kinda like riffed on that Paramore song. And it was the first time in music history in the past couple of years, that and blurred lines where they said, Yeah, we copied it, here's your money. <laughs> and and only certain only so many people can do that. So I think that's gonna carry forward for sure. Yeah, I was I was listening to a song last night, and um, we're driving the car. And it was a Disclosure song. Was it Disclosure? Or it was another track, and they were using mm -hmm. something that I heard from a sample from the movie Breakin'. Yeah, remember you recognize. Yeah, remember the song? And I'm hearing it, and they kind of broke it down, and they were using different elements of it as different parts. I was like... I know that track. I don't. Think I know what song you're talking about. I I know which one. I can't think of the artist though. It's so yeah, funny. I have it in my head though. It's, Unless it's like Claptone, like the Dum Dum song or something. Dum 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 Dum. He redid awesome. it. Awesome. Well, that, that was like like Jack Harlow. He uh, took Fergie's Glamorous. So that song, First Class. G L. If I did that and tried to go commercial, I'd be I'd be in cuffs right now. I'd be like Darren. <laughs> I don't know Fergie. Exactly. I don't know her reps either. Yeah, and you know what? It wouldn't even be Fergie. It'd be her the the manager the 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 the, the, what, the publisher. publisher. Thank you. The like Universal Public. Music Group. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. You, we love Universal. We love Sony. We love BNG. We love all of them very much. <laughs> They're um, listening. Please, please be our friends. Please, we're not hating on you in any way, shape, or form. No, so, not at all. Let's jump in and talk a little bit about Disco Relief. Mm -hmm. What is Disco Relief all about? Disco Relief is my experimental little brand that I started a couple years ago. And, um, you know, it's my passion project. It's a record label. And then anytime I do events out here, um, I label it as that too. Uh, maybe because I'm lazy, maybe, sorry, maybe because I'm lazy, maybe because I'm creative. 
I don't know. But uh, it's just, it's really a fun way to, to just share house music and disco and dance. And it, it says disco relief, but it's not all disco music. It's meant to be like, I don't know. I felt like back in the original discos, you wouldn't just hear Bee Gees, you know, you wouldn't just hear Casey and the Sunshine. You'd hear all kinds of music, mm-hmm. disco tech. And even now, like in Europe, the disco is the disco. So I wanted to bring that vibe to a label, you know, because most disc, most labels are like, you know, we're deep house music and all we release is deep house. Disco Relief, I'm all over the place, man. I got like, and I like it that way. And I don't, my main thing is just, the, it was the vibe. I want to curate the vibe. You know, you're relieved to hear something different. You're relieved to not hear something repetitive, you know. And then it, it just kind of, for me, for the pool parties, I wanted to inspire this like relaxing, like, yeah, Disco Relief, that sounds good. You know, I'm hungover. Let's get some bloodies and go by the pool. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. Uh, and, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned that um, because I originate disco with the disco tech, not necessarily mm-hmm. a genre of music, but Thank it is a you. genre of music because we do silent disco events. And it started mm-hmm. out calling them silent disco events. And we've now have started to rebrand ourselves away from that. Cause I've had people show up going, Hey, it's a silent disco event. Where's the disco music? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yep. Okay. I mean, we got, we got our DJs playing big room, you know, we got, you know, um, playing house and then I'll, I'll drop on a house station and a trance that, you know, a Sasha Digweed mix or a Sasha mix right. from like 2000. And they're like, where's the disco music? So now I do put a disco channel on one of my channels so they can get to it. Just so they get there. But we've now rebranded to, to silent concerts and we'll be rebranding up to silent festivals here in the near future, just to kind of get away from that moniker of, disco because around the world everyone knows it as the disco tech right right uh, americans are so literal they're like literally <laughs> yeah but i mean it's just something probably lost in translation that you know it's a go to the disco tech you know and, yeah you know, you know, <laughs> like, yeah let's go to the nightclub what's a nightclub yeah a club at night Night. We club during the day too. What's going on? It sounds sleepy compared to that. Like I'd rather go to the yeah. discotheque than the nightclub. You know what I mean? Night, yeah, this is right? nightclub. Discotheque is like exactly. let's go nightclub. Yeah, leisure suit, cocaine. I'm scared. <laughs> so, um, you know, coming into things, another thing that you posted here on social media, transition out of this a little bit, but you are now officially a North Texas student, University of North Texas student. Yes. What's that all about? Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been working on my degree for years um, and, you know, I finally decided this year I want to finish it. So they actually, this is kind of cool because I do technology. They have a fully online um, program integrated through this website called Coursera. It's the first school in the country that's been um, fully certified for this. So I'm starting up with them. It's it's fully online. Uh, information systems is what I'm doing. Uh, just because I think these days it's good to diversify and especially if you're in our business um, I think it's important, you know, have your hand in many pots and, and I wanted to not rely on just one thing. And it's kind of funny because um, it keeps me very driven. It's actually giving me more drive. I thought I'd be tired, you know, I gotta go from the club to the school, but um, it, it just makes me, it's fun, you know, and it's exciting. And I'm sure that has something to do with being on the computer, but yeah, I'm really excited to go to, to UNT. And it's actually a funny fact. I think it was um, John Wayne Gacy, uh, the last few I bought victims of his that were identified were identified at university of North Texas. So uh, that's, yeah, that, that's fun to brag about, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's interesting known facts that could fund up on Jeopardy one day. Right. My, my wife loves murder stuff. So she came me all excited about oh. it. And I was like, all right, I gotta, I, I gotta share this. <laughs> Does she listen to the crime podcast at all? Is she into the crime podcast? I, that's supposed to be a huge, oh, huge genre. 
it of is. like the, the, the crime podcast and, and listen She's to so them. into it. I, I hear them all the time too. And it's funny because um, I, I, I'm, I think I'm a music, I have a music mind in marketing and whatnot, and I'll listen to her podcasts and like a lot of them have the same format. The hosts sound the same. Some of the stories are said the same, you know, it's like fact, fact, fact. Oh my God. Fact, fact, fact. Oh, no way. You know, here's a message from our sponsors. So yeah, they're fun to listen to when you're on a car drive. I would say probably one of the only, the only saving graces that I came from a, a public access television world was in a broadcast television world and then moved into a podcast world and then a live environment world. Yeah. You, you do see that trend coming up with podcasts because a lot of people, they don't get a formal training. They don't get right. time in front of a camera. They don't compare themselves to necessarily. It's like, I'm in my podcast world and this is what I'm doing. I don't listen to other, I don't listen to the right. top podcasts and then take notes. What makes that a more integrated, you know, a, a more interesting show. Right. Right. I, I think that can be a barrier for some of these things, but that's how it, it shakes. Not everyone can be perfect. Not everyone can no. be awesome. Not everyone can be Richie Houghton, you know, or <laughs> I wish everyone, I you know, can be, um, Gabriel and Dresden or some of the top, you know, top names. Are, are you trying to rub it in now? You make me feel bad about no, it. No, I'm not trying <laughs> to rub it in. I'm just saying. No, because I bet we all love to be them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it, but I get it. You know, you always wonder what that, what was the click? What was the moment? What thing that pushed that over? 100%. What got them to, you know, boom, you know, like we're going through, I was telling you pre-show, we're going through a major transformation that I don't think a lot of people get. They always thought we're this hometown, Seattle-based live streaming DJ show. And it's like, no, now we're expanding to Arizona. Oh, we're traveling and going around the world. We're going right. to networking. I mean, I have a person out of the UK. I got a person out of Thailand. I got a person out of New York that I work with now. I'm bringing on two more people. And we're now re launching a, um, which I should talk to you about this. We're launching an honorary DJ sessions, resident DJ program for DJs who aren't in the local markets to start expanding that. Having people That's killer. You know, expand the operations and get it bigger. And what's that click? Like somebody asked me last month, or last year, actually yesterday in an interview, they said, what ramped you up from doing nine or 10 interviews last month to now I have 48 interviews on my calendar over the next month. We, I go, we ramped up production. We ramped up outreach by 800%. Yeah. Because I brought on team. It wasn't just all me doing this. Anymore. You're delegating. Was, yeah. Was that the launching point? Was that a turning point, a huge turning point at the DJ sessions? Or, or you know, because we, we've been doing our thing for so long, but what is that thing that's boom and hits? You it's know, different it, for everybody. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's different, especially when you know you're in the music creation side, music playing side of things. When it comes to this live streaming stuff, it still is kind of a wild west. You hear this in the podcast world; it's still a wild west frontier. Hundred percent, hundred percent. No standardization on what a podcast is, you, and you go back yeah. and look at like Joe Rogan or Gary Vanichuk and look where they mm -hmm. started with these crappy podcasts. Now everyone has we're one. billion signing deals with Spotify and. We're, Right. Dollars. And it happens so quick. I mean, there's, there's no proven way to do it. There's no like roadmap to success. You know, you kind of have to find what works for you and build on that. You know, I mean, I've noticed with you guys, like you just always been on the forefront and you, I, one thing I love about the DJ sessions is like, I've never seen or heard you endeavor into something that didn't work because you always make <laughs> it work. You learn about it and, and you, you're so dedicated to it. You're not like, Oh God, I don't want to do it. You're like, Nope, this is what we got to do. This is where the market's going. And that's what it is, is you find what works for you and you grind at it. And just, I mean, I always say if you've got money or privilege, it makes the road a little quicker, but the rest of us can still get there, you know, and it's just consistency and find, you know, you, maybe you find, Hey, now, since I've gone global, that was the trick, you know, because America is only 
so much. The world is way bigger than that. I literally was in a Jerry, Jerry Davila. Please, Jerry, don't murder me if I said your name up, but he runs no, uh, DJ Mag Max Mexico. A very prominent guy traveling all over the place. Knows a lot of people. I'm in an interview with him the other day. And after the interview, he just goes, hey, I want to introduce you to this, this Hispanic website out of Mexico that's like the YouTube for Mexico. And they don't have any music platform within this site. Okay. So I was like, okay. He goes, I think they do like 20 million downloads a month or view I mean, it's, God, no, it's even good. more than that i think it's even larger maybe it might that's be a market billion. i think it might be 20 billion views because they're, they're catered to the hispanic spanish culture that that is that's mexico and spain big and big market and they don't have any music developing because i want to introduce you to people. and that's kind of that next level up you know and right. meeting those people and having conversations and getting along with them and 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 saying i'm going to be spending some time down in, in in mexico then you know yeah why um, not tap into that market and and speaking of uh, of mexico by the way let's transition just a little bit here into have you what are your thoughts on tulum um tulum man that's exploded okay so i remember when that was just like the bpm festival was there and like a few of my hardcore friends would go there, but now it's like is a destination. Um, and I think that it's going to be a big deal for Mexico going forward um, because obviously, you know, there's a lot of culture that exists there, but it is like up there with, you know, now like a Cro I remember a few years ago, Croatia was the hot ticket. And I was like, Croatia, I know it's, I heard it's nice, but now all of a sudden it's a hotbed, you know? So I think like it's, it's a huge market. It's still being tapped into. And I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes like, the the dubai so to speak of mexico at some point here that's i, I was talking with uh, somebody the other day and they said you know abitha is where you know everyone in abitha goes to abitha for summer and they go to tulum for the winter like mm -hmm. the, the crowds shift in in play and it's just yeah like you said it's and tulum's more spread out i mean abitha's great but i mean every, i mean you find your grandmother up there raving you know you know what i mean and I, the bottles of water nine dollars ten dollars Tulum still having, yeah, it's kind of expensive to get there and they're catching on. It's pricey when you're there, but you can still enjoy it and, you know, not go broke and it's more spread out. You're not stuck on an island. You can tell where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely want to get down there. I knew one of our resident DJs, Lucy Tudor, is, is down there quite frequently oh, yeah. playing down there. I love, I'd love, love to go there. What's going on. And, you know, again, I think just getting out and expanding and exploring different cultures. Have you ever considered moving to another country? Oh, hundred percent. I was my wife and I talk about it all the time, I and mean, we have our kids. But I would happily move tomorrow to Canada or Ireland. Um, I have friend, a lot of friends in Europe, and I I love that way of life. You know, and I mean, we can get into politics, but at the end of the day, it's I the way that my culture you know, kind of is in the culture of my family, I would love to move. And so I definitely plan on, on one day moving. And it's hard because Southern California is, uh, it, it's a, a center for a lot, but the world has gotten a lot bigger now. You know, you don't have to go to Hollywood to be a movie star. You can do it from your basement in Peoria. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or your living room in Seattle. Hey, that's a nice living room though, man. You got a view. <laughs> we won't go into third and crime not a word. hey that was fun man i always have fun that, that's yeah, me though it, it's a fun place i'm moving into a new we're getting a new place here shortly uh up oh, on good. capitol hill which you deserve it more quieter um you know uh quieter less in excitement. a way of less crime 
Um, and, and you mentioned politics, and I'm not not as in like politics as in, in national politics, but as far as politics comes, when it comes to the electronic music industry, is there too much politics going on in the electronic music industry, or do you get caught up in it, or you see it? Um, case in point, I was reading some. I was in an interview yesterday with somebody, and they mentioned, you know, talking about the politics of what just happened with lightning in a bottle or LIB. Did you, mm. did you kind of hear what was going on there? No, what happens or something. Uh, apparently they had a stage, a major stage and they didn't pay any of the artists that played on that stage. Oh, that's not go. Oh. And I don't know if that was because did they sign up and let them know right from the beginning, Hey, you're playing this, but you're not getting paid. Or was it, you brought this talent out. I mean, I can understand if you're going to open up a freebie stage and in everyone's contract, they come in play saying, you are getting zero compensation. They knew going into that, signing up, you're all expenses. You have to pay on your own to get out here. Da, 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 da. Right. Okay. The artist signed up for that. They knew what they were getting into, but apparently it became a huge controversy because they're like lightning in the bottle makes so much money. They should have been giving them something. And who knows, who knows what's in the back end of that contract? Cause there might be NDAs attached to that contract. Says yeah. You can't talk about your terms and people don't know that that, but most people don't even know what an NDA is No, <laughs> you no. Know, at all. And there might be saying like, Okay, if you sign this, you can't talk about this and can't publicize this on Facebook or talk about media. <laughs> you know, like, hey, we don't want our, our contracts being, you know, copy and pasted online saying, you know. Right, right. Um, that, it's funny because contracts are – they are protected in a sense by copyright. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you put this contract out there, you're, you're announcing something that we paid somebody – a lawyer to draft – and now right. you're putting it out there. No, you can't do that. So no, somebody um, paid to have that made. So you're going to pay made. if you mess it exactly. up. Exactly, <laughs> you have it made. We're protecting our interests, and so other people don't copy it. But, but yeah, that was like one of the controversies or po political things going on out there, and the whole cancer culture surrounding that. You know, like yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool. I mean, I've even had local cancer culture and politics in my local environment yeah. for trying to speak out to be a, a like, what the hell's going on? Right, you just didn't say anything, yeah. And and, you know, and a lot of people don't go down that rabbit hole, or they don't want to say anything online because all of a sudden it's misconstrued, it's taken that way. But too much politics. Do you believe there's too much politics? Uh, personally, yeah, I personally do, yeah. But I also recognize that like house music has been a huge platform for, um, you know, queer culture, for counterculture, for a lot of different cultures, you know, and and even including myself, you know. So with that being said, I think there's plenty of room for culture, but the politics is where I stop. You know, if you want to debate it, there's other places to do it. And I've worked for some big agencies. I, I've been fortunate enough to work with Golden Voice for several years. Um, I've never had any issues like that, but I will say, if I had to give my experience, I would say the issue would be the former that perhaps they agreed to come out and just play lightning in a bottle. And when they got there and realized they spent a lot of money and, and saw that other people were being paid, they said, "Hey." You know, I mean, there have been plenty of big festivals where <clears throat> I've always gotten paid, but, you know, there's some I don't get any visuals. I get thrown on. I get my set smaller than everybody else, but I know about this. But I also read my paperwork, you know, and that kind of brings you back to, like, developing your artists. And it, this is a business. You, people have to understand it's a business now, you know. So business and culture, yes, but the politics and the cancel culture thing to me is it's just too much because uh, – you know, anybody, every, everyone has stereotypes, everybody has opinions, and once you start pressing them on everybody, it is only a matter of time until you find one to a million people that disagree with you, you know, and offer. So I always think there's keep it out of that. If you're with your friends, if you're at a forum, an open forum, talk all about it, you know, but when you start going out there and complaining and, and making it so uh, social media, yeah, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> one, of the, one of the funniest things that, that I was uh, kind of pseudo attacked for over the years, and I must have just been doing such a great job at branding and making it look like we're mm -hmm. the Ferrari or we're the number one top thing in the world and doing my job. But people thought I was making like six figure income off of what I was doing with all this and not paying out anyone. And I'm like, no, that's not the truth. I, at one point I thought of actually issuing penny stock on my company and saying, Hey, if you want to invest a penny into my company, I'll print you out our financial reports yeah. and you'll see where we're at and realize we're completely in the red on this. Like we're not supposed to be in the red. We will get out of the red, but just to, it was almost like a publicity stunt to squash rumors just right. so people couldn't say, Hey, here's our pub. We're a publicly traded company. If you want to invest and get our pamphlet, buy yeah. a stock for a penny. Here's everything. Here's everything laid out. And you know, it's boom, it's right there. And people would even probably say, well, well, I had people tell me, well, you should figure out a way to make money then. So you can pay people. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, what do you do for a living? Yeah. Maybe uh, you should figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm sorry. Or, yeah. You're, it was funny because they were comparing us to kind of situations like an establishment, like a nightclub that can sell alcohol, you know, and have massive amounts of alcohol sales. And we can't, yeah. we don't have a liquor license. No, that's a perfect example. You know, that's one thing I struggle with is some venues down here. Uh, they'll bring me out and I, I need, I, 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 know, I don't have anything to sell. When you work with somebody, you have to think about how are they making their money, yeah. you know? So when I come to interview the DJ sessions, you know, I don't see any bottle service and I don't see any here. You know what I mean? So you're literally, your money is, is made off of monetization probably for the most part. And so, you know, yeah, obviously if you hit it big and made a bazillion dollars off of somebody, I know you, you'd pay it out to them, but people expect things. It's the same thing. I'll have gigs, you know, out here where my budget is like $1,200 and these artists from LA are like, oh yeah, my guy wants two grand. And I'm like, you know, the, like this is a pool that holds 120 people. It's a 35 room facility. Like they're not even going to make that much money in the day. You know, and so people, they, again, it's a business and if they don't understand it, ignorance sometimes turns into anger. <laughs> yeah. I wish there was some way to make a, a, a DJ pay calculator that kind yeah. of says, this is what you should be charged. Like if it's this event, this many people, you know, this time of day, and, yeah. and this in and it calculates like, this is what you really should be charging. But then you have the talent aspect. And you have the, the pole aspect, you know, and, you know, can a D if you book a DJ and they can bring 500 people, is that, is that DJ more valuable than a DJ who's still just as good who brings zero people? Right. Or the, uh, the one that brings the 500 people, you know, a hundred are a hundred of those people going to smash some tables or, you know, do we, now we have to hire more security. I mean, anytime I play somewhere, I'm a bit like OCD about it because I'll ask as for instance, um, when I do, my poolside gigs, how many cabanas do you guys have? How many are you selling? What rate are you doing them at? And then during the day, I'll check, you know, I'll find a manager and say, I saw we had six cabanas. What's the, the spending point on each cabana? You know, oh, they spent 2000 They spent this. I always ask, you know, is there a birthday in that cabana? Whatever, you know, how, are you guys charged at the door? There's a lot of things that go into it because anyone can be good. Anyone can play good music, you know, but to translate that into finances is it's, it's a key. And it's not always the person that brings 500 heads. Sometimes it's the person that brings 20, but those 20 spend good money and they tell their friends, you know, like you were talking earlier about the nightclub experience. You want the virtual one you wanted to build. You want them to leave saying, Hey, I want to come back. And yeah, you may have, I'd rather have 20 people go and bring 40 next time than have 200 off the bat. And then only 20 enjoyed it or 15. Yeah. I don't know. You know? Yeah. And then that's another key factor of now that we put these in everyone's hands in the club 
you get that one person that shows up and they're kind of like, it's yep. cracking or it sucks. Right, right. You know, you know. Instant, and instant. I'll, I'll be out. And then it's like, okay, great. I'm leaving here. I'm going to the next club. Or yeah. get over and here. And you can see crack. it. Yeah. From the booth, or you can see like it. That, or they're going like this. And they're filming the ground going, it's dead here. Or it's cracking here. Yeah, how do you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll, sometimes what I'll do is like if I'm DJing somewhere and, it, it, you know, I, I, the poolside gigs like six hours long, so I have time to do this. I'll pull up the uh, social media account, and you know you can look by location um, on like Instagram, for instance, and I'll see the most recent posts, and I'll see if no one's posting, maybe I got to pick it up, or if, if I see some of the posts are like, oh, this is lame, you know, because that's what you got to do these days. It's social media, but it's a tool if you think about it, you know. I'm just bringing on a social media manager. Talked with them last night. <laughs> <laughs> Add one more to the team. It's it's I, people don't know what happens in the background of this stuff. I mean, no, you're, no. you're talking POS system counts, like making sure, yeah. Rather than just waiting for them yeah. to come over and say, "This is what our bottom line numbers were. You did great, or you didn't do great." Yeah, you're like checking it. What can we do to pump it up? Can we go right? Glad hand and customer service. Somebody say, "Hey, Cabana, whether you did it," and they go, "That was really cool." The DJ came over and met us at the Cabana and said hello. Simple wow, things. that made our. Is there anything you need? Like, because maybe the waiter or server wasn't attending to him. Like, oh yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah, we needed somebody five minutes ago. Let me get on that for you. And now they're like, 100%. wow, and that's and a I think customer service thing. It's huge, and I think there's no ego in it. A lot of DJs go and they want their guest list and they want to get their people drunk. And for me, I have no problem saying, yeah, I care about the food service. I care about, you know, obviously if I'm going to Beyond Wonderland and, and they're just like, here's your Dom Perignon and your DJ sticks. And yeah, that's, then I'm, I'm, I'm out Mr. Big Man. But, you know, um, I love doing what I do on the poolside level because it really isn't super glamorous. The area is, the environment is, but at the end of the day, you're doing a job. And if I want the maximum money, I got to make sure they're making the maximum money. Because if, if they make 2000 on the day and I'm charging them 800 you know, and then they got to pay their people out. It's just, it's yeah. And then the same thing, it's it's genuine too. Like you're mentioning, going to you know approach people and say, "Hey, I'm the DJ. How's everything going?" If you're genuine about it, people really love that. They really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had to choose between a shitty party to play with massive pay or a superb party with no pay, which one you <laughs> would you pick? And give an example if that's ever happened. Oh man, uh, you know, I would say oh, that is so tough. You're gonna get me on this one. I'd, I'd probably say the more pay at this point, mm -hmm. um, because the attention for me is fabulous. But you know, I, I get that you know in other ways. Um, but you know, I've taken some shows recently that were a little more. They didn't pay as much, but they were fun. And I think it's just about like if the juice is worth the squeeze. What are you getting out of it? And realizing that it's not always about money. Like in our business, you have to go for the money because it's it's not always there. But if you have the opportunity to pay it forward a bit, I mean, I've taken a lot of gigs with friends and <clears throat> DJs that I was developing nights where I didn't even take a dime. I put nights together recently. Actually, there was um, I played an event uh, at a local club here. I brought some friends out from L.A. and it wasn't a big budget. I gave them all my money for the night, you know, because the night was good and we had fun. So I think it's important to balance it out and just make sure that if you are doing that free gig, you are getting or the lower rate that you get something out of it. You know, if I'm looking at it, and I'm saying well, I'm getting less money. I think, well, is it fun? How many hours is it? Okay, yeah, I, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome, that's good to know. And I know you're looking to come up here to Seattle and play here probably a little later in the summer, correct? Yes, yeah, I'd like to head up there. Definitely looking forward to having you up here. And getting you in the mobile studio, the new and improved mobile yes, studio. I want to uh, go. <laughs> we were talking about it. everyone has to wear earplugs now when they're in it. Otherwise, they will lose their hearing within five minutes. I believe it. And, uh, <laughs> we're getting ready to, to add some more audio to it as well. 
Uh, we got the flat screen TVs on it. It'd be a pleasure and an honor to have you in that and, and obviously catch up with you when you're up here. Oh yeah. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Awesome. Is there anything you want to let our DJ sessions fans know before we let you get going? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess my, my upcoming schedule will be cool. To let everybody know. Um, I've got this Saturday, I'll be at arrive in Palm Springs for pool party, uh, next weekend. If anybody's making the trek out to Palm Springs for splash house, um, I'm uh, playing on Saturday. I'll be at the Margaritaville pool. Um, so I'll be there for that. Um, I did just put out my Dua Lipa track uh, that you mentioned earlier. And, and the last one I want to mention was I have another song out called Feels Good that just dropped uh, today, actually. Oh, uh, so everything's out. If you go to alecarrington.co, that's my website. Um, Darren, I'm sure we'll have links. But yeah, just, just make sure you guys drop by Splash House. If you're in Palm Springs, please look up uh, Arrive, you know, myself, and, and hopefully I'll see you guys out there. alecarrington.co? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to try something here really quick. I've never done this before. Ooh, he's going to try pull up here. Let's see if we can. Yay, it came in. Alex Harrington. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, man. Perfect. There it is. Uh, I've never done that before because we're using a new system and we're live. This is the first time we've ever gone live during an interview. So thank you so much for coming on board. It didn't look like there were any tech hiccups, which is always awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, Alex, thank you for coming on the DJ sessions. It was a pleasure to have you today. Pleasure. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, everyone. You're welcome. And don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter, The DJ Sessions. We're also on that book thing called Face Something. And you know what? Our own website, again, thedjsessions.com. This is Darren coming to you from Seattle, Washington, with Alex Harrington coming all the way in from Palm Springs, California, for the virtual sessions. And remember, on The DJ Sessions, the music never stops. <laughs>